Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us the story of the hero of Mana again. Well, we've all heard that story a million times before. About how some accident-prone moron literally fell into saving the world through a series of bad decisions, broken mechanics, and, well, intelligence-insulting coincidences. It was the style at the time, you see. I mean, even your dear departed grandmother voted for Dark Lord. But, Grandpa, why would anybody do that? I mean, how could they be so stupid? The world was a stupider place back then. Mana poisoning, if I had to guess. Isn't that how Uncle Euthanas got hired at the orphanage? <laughs> yep. Despite his name, I'm telling you, we were all blathering ninnies back then. Of course, Uncle Euthanase needed a career change after putting Fiscal bad advice in charge of his accounts. And old Fiscal, he had his taxes done by Otterford Scofflaw. He lost it all. Grandpa, I'm glad we're not stupid anymore. Me too. Now, run along, you little rabbi. Since we put old Scorch Flametooth in charge of the non-asbestos preschool for boys... I feel safe sending you out there. Don't you worry about washing out for fireballs, sonny. Gary Butterfield. And my name is Dark Lord Cole. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It's a retro video game show about games that I hate. <laughs> and-, <laughs> and this week we are talking about Sword of Mana, which is an action adventure game developed uh, for the Game Boy Advance by Square Enix in 2003. Yep. And if, if you're listening to this for the first first time, every episode being somebody's first, I hope this is actually not a show about games that I hate. <laughs> Um, we're just we're just on a, a little bit of a streak. Um, <laughs> this one being sort of mana. So spoilers, like it, it doesn't end well. Um, sort of mana is a remake of uh, Final Fantasy Adventure, which is the first game in the Mana series. So Children of Mana, and uh, most famously and best, I would say in the series, Secret of Mana. Yeah, I don't think anybody would dispute you on that. Um, this, if you are in a non-U.S. territory, uh, might also be known as Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Uh, which they named it uh, when it released for the original Game Boy back in the early 90s. All right, not to be confused with the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which is entirely different, or Final Fantasy Legend, which is the other Final Fantasy Gaiden game. Yes, which actually was the original saga. So Square Enix, they started everything as a Final Fantasy and then branched it off. Right, so this is this is way more confusing than, than Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, and then, <laughs> then all of that jazz. Yeah. So we're entering a world of hurt, as it as it, as it were. <laughs> but for but for right now, we are referring to it as Sword of Mana or Seiken Daketsu. If you're you know uh, one of those people who 
you know, insists on saying the Japanese name for things. Right. So. And, and when you say uh, we don't want to cast as a Final Fantasy uh, game, that's pretty apropos because this the what we're doing specifically is that remake of Final Fantasy Adventure. Final Fantasy Adventure had some references to the Final Fantasy series, but this remake kind of removes all those and uh, and replaces them with just little nods and, and touches to the uh, to the Mana series. As well as many systems from the later Mana series, which uh, I gotta hate. I hate it when I say Mana instead of Mana. Sorry, um, <laughs> from the later Mana series uh, games, which uh, might be to the detriment of the uh, core gameplay. But we'll get to that. That's one of that's <laughs> what, that's one of my main complaints about it. Um, so this game differs from its forebear um, in one really big, significant way. Aside from the new translation and also the new graphics. Uh, which are meant to, uh, I think, replicate the uh, the, the secret of Mana or, or uh, one of the PS2, one of the PS1 games, rather. Um, it differs in one huge way um, in that you can choose to either play as the hero or the heroine uh, from the beginning, which offers two distinct paths through the game itself. Right. When we say distinct path, we don't want to oversell it. Um, there, there's a lot of time where the, the characters are together and a lot of shared experience there. Um, I think about uh, like a Resident Evil 2 yeah. kind of thing where you have an option of two different characters, but they uh, they just kind of have slightly different stats and they'll spend small portions of the adventure in different areas and doing things in another order. But for you know a lot of the core is the same. I would counterpoint and say that it's more of an Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages kind of thing. Uh, because the the hero's path is more dedicated towards, uh, according to what to what I read, God forbid anybody play this game twice. Um, <laughs> according to what I read, um, the heroine's path is less focused on dungeon combat and more focused on um, boss fights and uh, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense that we bring up the Zelda games because you know these are action RPGs and they do follow a lot of those same tropes. And we'll get into that when we talk about the mechanics, but you are navigating an overworld map that is indistinguishable from a town map or your battles. You are, you have different weapons and you have different abilities and magic and things like that, where you attack different enemies as you, uh, as you go around. Right. Right. Stand, standard Zelda, Zelda kind of mode there. Yeah. Um, the plot of this game, the, the overall bloated piece of <laughs> shit of a plot is that a, a long time ago, there was this mono tribe who harnessed the power of nature and the Vandal Empire, which harnessed the power of technology. Uh, the Vandals conquered the mana and were twisted by the power they assumed. Um, a small group of knights called the Gemma defeated the Vandal and assigned Grans, their bard, as Lord of the Realm. And as somebody who's played a lot of D&D, like, never put the bard... <laughs> In charge of anything. Like, what is he going to do? He's a- like, he's just give every citizen a plus one to hit for, you know, like add to their, you know, their Thaco. Like, just, just one? No. No. He's going to be a half-rate sorcerer and a, half, and a half-rate fighter. Don't yeah, exactly. That. Or subtract from their Thaco. I don't want anybody to freak out. I know how Thaco works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. I think everybody at the realm was was uh, was 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 pretending. The realm was the name of our of our role playing shop in Mansfield. Mm. Sorry, um, <laughs> yeah, never put your bard in charge. Um, so in the present day, uh, the last heirs to the Vandal Emperor Empire rather rise up and uh, take the Grand's Kingdom down. Uh, killing the parents of two children, one of whom is a girl of the Mana tribe, and the other is a boy who belongs to uh, the Grounds Kingdom. Uh, this begins a long persecution of the Mana throughout the world. Right, and, and the girl and the boy, who are your main characters in this, team up to take vengeance on the Dark Lord, 
That's capitalized. So he, he introduces himself as this. This is on his business cards. We'll talk about this later, but it's fucking dumb. Um, <laughs> take vengeance on the Dark Lord, uh, his, his uh, man companion, Julius, and the other Vandal remnants. Uh, while also learning how senseless violence, or uh, while also learning how senseless violence can be, um, the last one standing is Julius, who rushes to the Mono Tree, the source of all life in the world, to harness its its power to become a god. Uh, stop me if you've heard that before in every JRPG. That's ever been. <laughs> every so, single one. <laughs> so you could have just opened the box of this game, and it would just have like a like an index card with JRPG written on it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, didn't, I didn't mean to ring the bell there, but it, no, but it's one hundred percent true. Like, it, just, yeah. it, it was appropriate. So um, eventually, you track down uh, the Julius at the root of the mana tree. Uh, he goes all one winged angel on this, and uh, the you know you defeat him as the as the hero or the heroine, and uh, in order to save the world and all life within it, the heroine sacrifices herself to become the new mana tree. Um, and then the hero becomes her guardian and Gemonite, and the cycle begins anew. And this is the like the the progenitor, the forebear, the prequel to every other mana game. Uh, right. Yeah. Do you, Do you ever wish that everyone who's ever been involved in the writing or plotting of a JRPG just had one throat, and your hands are around it? <laughs> like, like it is. It's so. It's. Uh, I. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun too much. But God, the, the story in this game is horrible. The story and writing in this game pissed me off. Super, super generic. There's so much dialogue. It's so chatty. It wouldn't be so bad if they if if there wasn't so much of it. Yeah, which I I, I can tell. I mean, I know that wouldn't be a problem on the Game Boy. Right. Like I'm sure that's a, an issue with the remake. That I mean, and that's going to be a theme throughout this, which is you know, a, a listener suggested this. Um, I forget your name. I am so so sorry. Um. And I'm so so sorry for the, for the things that we're going to say about this. But I, like I heard, sort of mono. I was like, oh, I've always wanted to play that because I remember playing this game as a very young man um, and loving it. I, I remember <laughs> loving Final Fantasy Adventure. So I was like, yeah, let's do it because this will be easier for people to get a hold of. It'll be less rare, and let's go for it. And I do not remember any of these faults. Right. Her, her name is Kim, and Kim. I, you you apologized on Facebook for suggesting it, and it's a very sweet. But don't don't apologize. Like don't I, do that. I yeah, I had to play six hours of a video game. Who fucking who? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's no big deal. And 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 you know, there's a taste is subjective, and we're gonna run into bad games and everything. Not your fault. But man, did it did drive me fucking nuts. Yeah, and you know, I'll I'll make my stance clear. I think the game is you know merely mediocre, and you know that that doesn't make it any less of a waste of time. I guess. Um, so I, I, I have um, I have come up with a with with a list of things that um, the sword of mana has done to Gary in the past. <laughs> Here, um, I did some I did some biographical uh, research, um, and I found out <laughs> that uh, the sword of mana uh, was responsible for canceling Firefly, Arrested Development, mm. and uh, Twin Peaks. Hey. So yeah, yeah, two, two two thirds of those I'm I'm heavily invested in. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I imagine there's probably, and probably it's the prequel. So maybe it was the original one who went back and canceled the original Star Trek, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's old school about this shit. It's also probably, you know, was thefted my identity and ruined my credit <laughs> and, uh, you know, tore the last few pages out of all of my books and, uh, you know, every book I haven't read 
and is the oh. reason why every single TV show I love is splitting their final seasons in two. Um, be <laughs> it Breaking don't, Bad don't, or Adventure Brothers or any of these shows where they keep doing these can, tiny micro seasons. Can I ask you to literally not get me started? To literally <laughs> not get me started? <laughs> uh, so. Fucking sort of mana. So we're going to go through the game a little bit. I played about a third of it. Yeah. So this is the earliest I've given up, but I feel a little bit like I owe you know the listeners an apology for that. You know, I didn't. I I could have gone further. I could have powered through. I just I I, I ran out of strength for yeah. it, and uh, so I apologize for that. Cole got a little bit further. I still didn't beat the game though, um, and that was more of a function of time than anything. Um, once I saw that Gary didn't uh, beat the game, I decided, well, fuck it. You know, we're not taking this podcast seriously. You know, it's his, shit, you know, it's, it's his show, um, so we can do whatever. Um, you know, uh, yes. Um, so, so I basically what I'm saying is that I have ruined. Watch out for fireballs. Uh, this is our farewell so, episode. Goodbye. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so, so again, I, I apologize, but we'll go through. Um, you know, as far as I got, I'll contribute and uh, provide commentary as full as far as Cole got. Yeah, um, and then we'll kind of I'm going to talk about why I think this game has literally nothing to offer anyone, and every attempt to offer anything is a misguided backfire. Second fun fact: Did you know that when uh, Pinochet and Pol Pot died, they uh, their, their spirits hovered throughout the ether, and then they coalesced um, to haunt the original Gold Master copy of Sword of Mana. And when it was copied for mass production, uh, their evil was propagated throughout the world, and everybody who played the game got that much sadder because of it. That, that's why the that's why the, my cart keeps uh, asking me for human bones in Latin. <laughs> I think whenever I turn off the lights. <laughs> um, it should also be noted that both of us played through as the hero. Um, Gary asked me to play through as the heroine, um, but uh, I'd already played through about two hours um, as, the, as the hero at that point. So uh, I figured it would probably be better for us to talk about the same game as opposed to uh, uh, different games. Of course, it, it would be better anyway, because if what you said earlier was true and the hero focuses more on dungeon combat... And the heroine focuses on, holy shit, more like dialogue, cutscenes, and stories. Good night. Like the like the <sighs> thing, the one, the the tiny modicums of fun I was able to extract from this this game. Like I'm tearing DNA from crystallized mosquitoes and like trying to <laughs> create like a, a homunculus of fun. Um, now, 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 now you see, now you fun. see, the the, the 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 fun is suspended in a mosquito in amber. And, yes. and, 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 uh, you know, you can, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, the, uh, all the small bits of fun I was able to get just had to do with the fact that it's fun to control a guy over land and make him hit shit with a weapon. Yeah. Like Zelda is fun. And that's just, that's just how it is. Um, so to play a version of this game willfully that does less of that mm-hmm. and does more of, uh, of the dialogue and this, you know, Ridiculous, like, you know, yellow label, black text, JRPG, you know, jewel brand plot mm-hmm. uh, is mind boggling. So I, I apologize for even suggesting that to you. <laughs> I, like, what, what, a, what a mean thing for me to say. <laughs> like inadvertently, like, you know, yeah. like, hey, I hear if, you know, you, do you have any tough stains in your tub? Why don't you mix ammonia and bleach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't turn on the exhaust fan. Don't turn on the exhaust fan. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Make sure it really settles in there. 
Um, so, so this game, uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about, about the beginning of this game? This is before I started taking notes. Okay. I do, I do have a note and it just says beginning colon horseshit. So my, my notes are, are inarticulate swear words mostly. <laughs> um, but I, I know that you, you begin the game, you're, you're, uh, well, it, tell, it tells you the backstory, which we went over and you begin, you're a gladiator. Um, you've been captured by the Dark Lord, and you know, despite the fact that you are the son and you know, the son of this family that he killed, he didn't decide to get rid of you because you may, you know, commit revenge in the future. You know, something like that, <laughs> well, which everybody does. He's always trying to recruit you. Yeah, like that. That's a kind of a thread for the first third of the game, where wherever he runs into you, he offers to become a knight. And God, did I wish I could say yes, because then one, I would get the non-standard game over and be like, yeah, I beat the game. I joined the Dark Lord. It was awesome. But two, like, it'd be a much more interesting game. Like, I want to go hunt down mana heretics, like, in in, in villages and, and such for the Dark Lord. Sign me up. So, so the beginning shows you and the heroine um, uh, playing in you know your your childhood home, and then the the Dark Lord begins his pogrom against uh, against the Mana Clan by by going after anybody who was affiliated with the Grand's Realm and the Mana Clan, and starts out with uh, with your father, your parents, and uh, also. And also the family of this, uh, you know, this, this this little girl. She is uh, exiled, and you are uh, captured and forced into uh, into a life of being a gladiator and a slave. So, really, like the first bit of gameplay that you you know are introduced to twenty minutes into the game is uh, the ability to fight this uh, this big like jackal kind of creature kind of thing for for everybody's amusement. Which is kind of weird because he's one of the toughest looking monsters that you, you <laughs> see in the game, and one of the easiest. Yeah, like some of the later bosses I fought did not look as impressive or you know as this guy but he's he's very easy to beat which as well he should be but it's kind of weird that they made him take up half the screen you know you know he's one of the easier ones to hit you just have a very basic weapon um, which is good because you don't have to uh, try out five different weapons to see which one will work against him um, <laughs> <Good night. laughs> can, I, can I I'm gonna interject real quick sure um, so I, I have an amazing story that this uh, this thing reminds me of okay so, uh, the main villain in this game is called Dark Lord, and uh, not everyone's the, not referring... the main villain, the Golbez of this game. Is right, right, oh, right, exactly, the, uh, the sub-villain, the, the guy you think is going to be the main villain. Um, his name Dark Lord. Everyone refers to him as Dark Lord. Nobody, nobody blinks. In high school, one of my friends, Brian, drew these little comics of himself with a cape and wearing like, a pentagram, which he referred to as Dark Lord. But... This is good. You're going to think I'm making this up, but this is 100% true. So there was a teacher who we all didn't like in high school who got pregnant. And Brian, because we were awful and we were little boys, drew a comic of Dark Lord kicking her in the stomach. Next day, miscarried. I'm totally not kidding. Holy shit, your friend was the page master. <laughs> isn't that, isn't like amazing though? And like, we were, you know, he was, like, obviously it was hard not to make jokes about dark lord having this power and like what things brian was gonna gonna draw him doing next you know but it was such an awful like event like she took like two weeks off work and oh, she that's came terrible. back she was I mean, always a, a shell of a person that's tragic and, and it was totally tragic but what a weird fucking so that's what that's that's what, every time i read dark lord <laughs> in this game i think about my friend brian's terrible powerful little page master avatar um, <laughs> oh. that controls reality through his his drawings holy shit Mm-hmm. Wow, he's like that. He's like he's like that kid from Insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Wow. It's like a, it's, a, it's like a Tales from the Crypt episode. Just it's like the whole thing is like it would could have very easily just had the exact same story beats as such. But then you would have drew a monster that would have like locked him in a fridge or something. Oh man, that kind of bummed me out. Just a yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so so yeah. after you after you escape after you defeat this monster, you you figure out a way to escape uh, from the arena, leaving your friends from the arena aside. Um, and so remind me, like, yeah. isn't isn't your plan to escape just to like let's escape? Yeah, like it's it's so like so this is this beginning part where I wrote like horseshit. It's like the 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 pacing and the conservation of information they're giving you is so strange. Like it just it's it you know one of the you're you're with this buddy you got this buddy named Willie and there, there's a girl there whose name I can't remember. Uh, Amanda. Amanda, like right? Later, later turns out to be a little bit of a, a shit heel, but you're just kind of hanging out, and then at some point you're like, "Hey, let's escape!" Like totally, it's all over the map. Like it's supposed to be like dark and and dramatic, but there's this part, you know, these parts where the, the plot makes no sense. There are later parts that read just like Abbott and Costello routines, like these like ridiculous kind of slapsticky comedy parts. Like totally, it makes no sense. Like if you were going to do this game, it's supposed to be. This kind of, you know, it, it's it's a very dramatic game. Like, most of the people you run into will die. You have a lot of allies that come and go. This could have been really cool, that you start off as a gladiator. You start off imprisoned. You have this this tragedy. You know, um, you're under the nose of the person you want revenge upon. But this this kind of goofy, and they're like, let's escape. And then they run, you know, they just run across a bridge and escape. Like, the end. And then he falls off a bridge. Which, which, which from what I understand, that's a, that's a mana tradition, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the falling thing, like, it is definitely. Um, but it just, you know, this this was a signal to me that this game was not going to have anything to offer me in the way of tone or or story. It was right here from the get-go. And, you know, I'm, I, I hate to sound like I'm defending it, but I'm just wondering how much of this is them trying to um, add complexity to a Game Boy game and, and more, more importantly, a Game Boy translation? I think a lot of it is. Yeah. But that's still, there's still art to that. That's still, you know, a writer, you know, translation and localization, that's something that people do. Yeah. It's it's not something that just happens. So there are people responsible for that. I went and saw um, The Cat the cat in Paris recently, which is, uh, and, and it's I saw it dubbed. They just have to add so many words to match the lip syncing uh-huh. that it, it, that's what this game reminded me of. They're just adding so much kind of dialogue and little back and forth exchanges that are unnecessary Mm-hmm. Um, and just way, way to the detriment. Like, so, so much did this game need an editor. Like, you could literally cut out two out of every three lines, and the game would probably make just as much sense. Yeah. No, no, you, you really, you really, <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to, like, I don't know if anybody expected me to disagree, but you could have. Like, you could have just taken the original Game Boy translation and, you know, fixed the discontinuity and fixed the grammar and been fine. The, uh, I wrote it on Facebook, but like there are things that babies are born knowing about plot and story that the people who are responsible for this game don't know. Like they're just like you, you know that if you're going to establish something as a threat, like or you know if you're going to refer to something as a threat, you have to establish it as a threat. Uh-huh. You know if you want us to like, if you are going to have characters care about each other, you have to show why they do. You know, like it's important for us to believe the relationships within the world. Mm-hmm. Not just to just take them on faith, and this game never does any of that. Like there's none of it, and I'm not. So I'm trying to be careful because it's not like that's a strength of video games. No, it's well, not. Video games are great at that. This one is particularly bad in mm-hmm. that respect. I feel like. 
Yeah. It's, it, it just, it, it gets in the way. Right. Right. It's just something to click through, you know, and I don't, I don't do that. Like I'm not the, let's just skip through the cutscenes and get to the, the action. Like I, I'm not that guy, you know, I like, I like game stories. Like I want, I want to see, you know, somebody's responsible for this. I want to see why I'm doing these things. Like I, I get into it. Yeah. But, uh, I, I wish I could press start past every single line of dialogue and every single time I'm not fighting in this game. And the, the, the like the like the most like recent example of this. Did you ever play Ghost Trick? Uh no. No, no I that, have it. I downloaded it for my iPod, but it's on my backlog. Yeah. I mean it's hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> it's by the Phoenix Wright team and it is a I would call I would still consider it to be like like worth playing. Mm-hmm. Um but like I can forgive this, like like the talkiness of Phoenix Wright because it's a it is a visual novel game, mm-hmm. you know, like at its at its heart and soul. Like as long as you go into it recognizing that it's going to be, you know, just a comic book that mm-hmm. you know advances the plot for you. But the problem with Ghost Trick and the problem with this game is just just the amount of text that you have to go through, just like this, and like that 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 kind of shit is still going on with text based games. I have no problem with text based games, but you have to recognize, you know, that you have to conserve your detail. You like just like every every, every moment that you are keeping people from playing the game that you put in front of them, you are eating away at their goodwill. Right, and 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 one way to kind of ameliorate that is to have the text worth reading. Yeah. You know, and, and have it uh, or have it optional. Like, uh, you know, if you, you I think uh, you brought this up. We were talking about it uh, like many episodes ago. But it's one of the strong points about Dragon Age is that all of the lore and background of the game is available if you want it. Yeah. This game commits this double sin where it's like you're forced to go through dialogue that isn't giving you lore and background in the game and omits lore and background of the game that you would maybe want. Like, I don't know why any of these things are important. I don't know who most of these people are. There's a scene right before I quit where you're in the desert. You walk down one way and there's this, like, dark wind and you hear this voice that says, like, we hate all life. We wish that, you know, you to join us in the world of the dead. And your hero says something like, oh, do the, do the Grumbles patrol this area? Or some, some silly name. And I'm just, like, I'm, I'm playing it last night. I'm in the bath, like, <laughs> trying to, like, simultaneously relax my muscles, which are being tensed. <laughs> at a certain rate by this game and just allowed I'm in my alone in my apartment I'm like what the fuck's a grumble like, <laughs> like I have no idea why you care about this you know like no they've never been established you've never mentioned a grumble I don't know what the fuck a grumble is like why can't I just walk through the wind it's not because of the wind there are other areas of the wind I can walk through um, I believe you're referring to the miasma swamp which must be um, cleared by a bard song um, oh, of course. <laughs> of no. course. How silly. Like, why would I not think that you, it was a swamp? Well, maybe the fact that it looks like a desert and is adjoining to a desert. But it has to be cleared with a song because yeah. of the grumbles. Like, what the? F- I just. Ah. <laughs> it's so infuriating. Like, I've never. No, no game has made me, like, emote out loud. Like, as much as this one, where I'm just, like, laying, you know, talking to my cat, like, laying in bed, like, Horace, what the fuck is going on? Here? Are you fucking kidding me? Why am I doing this, cat? Why am I doing this? Uh, anyway, let's, uh, we had to get further into this game before. We, we, really, we really, really do. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Just I'm, take, just, I'm pregnant with, with, with emotion. You're, you're, you're pregnant with vitriol. Yes. So, so, okay, so after you get past the intro. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, 
<laughs> you fall you fall off the bridge and uh you come you come across um a, a young girl a young woman who resembles the uh the the mana girl who you know you met when you were a child like oh gosh she has the same name and everything oh no what's going to happen she looks exactly the same exactly yeah. <laughs> but that question isn't answered until several several sequences later yeah i recognize her yeah. dum dum And can, can we talk just for a second about how ugly the portraits are? They're so bad. They're so. Your guy looks like a, a, a manga, like a miniature Mongoloid version of Ken from Street Fighter. Uh huh. Like you look like like this weird like Ken has gone through this uh, you know this dimension where gravity and, and time operates differently, and just kind of comes out like this little monster. Everybody looks like Akira Toriyama had a mild palsy. Yeah, yeah. or like they just got like his cousin like Nakira Toriyama and just like he just phoned you know just like hey I'm busy this weekend you know can I just get it's they're so ugly every character you run into looks like except for they're wearing a mask like Dark Lord looks fine yeah right like I mean if they're wearing a helmet like guy can draw helmets okay it's the beady eyes and and also the extremely racist caricature of Chiba but holy shit Chiba (laughs) Fucking Chiba. I mean, it's a weird little, like, African tribesman with huge, you know... Huge uh, floppy lips. Yeah. You can say uh, it. Yeah, yeah. What was I was trying to think of the name uh, of the the doll. Sambo? Yeah, like a little Sambo doll. (laughs) Lips. Like, it's exactly what he has. Like, like the the overall graphics, they're fine. I have, I have, no, I have no I agree complaints. with you. I and actually, no here's here's a rare, rare compliment. Uh-huh. I will say, at certain points, they're kind of nice. Yeah, it has a nice, varied color palette. Like, like different different areas have have different color palettes, and they actually respond really nicely to the day night cycle that they felt like they had to add because it's a Japanese game, and why not have extraneous systems that we put in the, here that have the, little? The day night no cycle barrier. is is a problem, and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you why. So, so, so one is like the the transitions are instant. Which yeah. makes no sense. You're on it's one screen. screen it's, it's, it's screen it's, by screen. Yeah, screen by screen. So it's totally daytime. You go to the next screen, it's midnight. Two, there are tons of events that are day-night dependent. And there's not only is there no reason for it, but there's no feedback. So like later, you go to a, a, a castle, and uh, uh, it's a vampire lord's castle. You can only go in at night. If you go there during the day and click on the door, nothing happens. Right. Like it doesn't say the door is locked, we have to come back at night. Like that's basic video gaming mm-hmm. right there. Like, you know that I'm going to walk up to something and click it. If you want me to come back another time, you have to tell me. Otherwise I'm going to proceed without going to it. Or, and that's what I did for like, you know, 20 minutes trying to find another path because I assumed I wasn't supposed to go that way. And there's just, there's literally nothing to tell you that you're supposed to go there at night. Like that's so elementary design. You know, and, there's just, there's no way that I, I just, it's so hard for me to believe that nobody thought of that. And it's like, would it have been so hard to forgive them if it was by default bright as day, sunny and 72 degrees with a light breeze? And then when you walked onto that screen, well, holy shit, it's the dark of night. Totally. I would have, it would have been a little Ed Wood, you know, like, <laughs> but I, I would have, I would have forgiven them. But further, and just like getting down to the deep down problem with all of these things that they're adding, like, 
what does the day night cycle add? I mean, like, like, nothing. Like what it adds is occasionally certain areas will be more difficult than they need to be. Yes. Because they add different monsters depending on the time of day. Right. And then that feeds into the other extraneous systems, which you get to later, which is um, different monsters can drop different uh, treasure chests, which may or may not be trapped. And uh, what you get from them are different seeds, which you have to plant in various combinations or to get various fruits, which can impart different properties to the various, <laughs> again, various, various, various armors and weapons that you have. And, and what, what this all leads to, like all that crap that this, this thing adds, is a game that's simultaneously complicated and boring. Like it's it's like accounting. It's you know, like like looking at like figuring out all of that stuff. Like which seeds do I need to use to get what vegetables to cause what upgrades to what weapons? And which and which enemies are which enemies are weak to which damage type and which enemies are weak to which elements and what can I defend from? Right, you need an outside like a spreadsheet like open while you're playing it. It's like if or Choco- like an inhuman tolerance for trial and error. It's like if chocobo breeding didn't get you nice of the round. <laughs> yeah, that's chocobo that's breeding what it the is. game. Like <laughs> all, but everything is like a micro chocobo breed. Yeah, like every like I want to get I like I picked a weapon I wanted to stick with in the game, which the game doesn't allow you to do that. But silly me, I <laughs> thought I could choose a weapon that I liked yeah. and and play with it, and I wanted to make it more powerful. That was like a little miniature chocobo breeding session mm-hmm. to like do it. I'm sorry, you only have fruits. You need vegetables to temper your weapons. And why? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't. It's all arbitrary. Like why do why fruits for for veg, for weapons and vegetables for armor? Like why? 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 And they're dwarves. They're not like they're not you know uh, like botan mancers or anything like that. <laughs> they're dwarves with a forge with hammers and anvils. Like they're classic Final Fantasy four dwarves. There's no reason why they should be using like a, a, a banana to make a spear better. My my understanding is well, no, you can't make a spear better with a banana because a banana is not a not a vegetable. Oh, okay. okay so. <laughs> my my understanding of this is that it's a system from one of the PS one Mana games that nobody played, <laughs> um, and they felt like adding it. Okay. Okay, yeah, good, good, good choice. Exactly. That's off to you, then, you know, developers. They <laughs> Did just, you say hats off to you? I said rats off. I okay, should say yeah. hats off when it's bad. Okay, rats off when it's good. <laughs> okay. Um, just yeah, I hope you, I hope you sleep well with that choice. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want my eleven dollars back. Yeah, send you to hell. <laughs> send you straight to hell. <laughs> Oh, for anybody who listened to the extra episode. So, so area number yeah. two. <laughs> Luckily, I'm going to run out of things to, to just bring up ahead of time between areas soon enough. No, I mean just like, and it's one, it's one of those things where, like, the the, the game has a has a fairly rote rhythm to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's wilderness path punctuated by um, a generic cave of some sort and then punctuated by some kind of castle or dungeon where you're going to get some kind of MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. So in this in this case, you know, you're headed towards a town called Topple, and so you have to go through a Topple cave and then a Batmo cave, um, which all I can think of is yeah. Batmobile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, and the whole, the whole point, of, the thing you find out in Topple is that there's a sage uh, we talked about Chiba, and he lives in um, in, Wendell. in in where I'm sorry, Wendell. He lives in Wendell, and to get to Wendell, you have to go to uh, Vincat, yeah, um, where there, there's a lord. Um, 
just again, like I'm not going to totally derail us, but the fucking towns in this game are worthless as well. Uh, One, because, you know, the shops, so the shops are fine. Like you can buy basic healing items and buy accessories. Um, They don't introduce this weapon improving system for quite a while, which again, it's fine, but it does limit what you can do in towns. Mm -hmm. But the actual, so the towns have side quests in them. Like if you talk to the people in town, which is generally best practices in uh, RPGs, even though it's very rarely does it yield interesting fruit. But, um, you know, most of the time they're worthless. Every once in a while they'll make it like they'll have kind of a semi funny, funny remark, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is fine. But they'll also, they'll ask you to do these side quest things. And like, did you have goodwill to go and do these kind of FedEx style style quests? Like they're all like the quest in Link's Awakening where it's like, I will trade you a banana for this. I mean, without it being one big chain, but it's like, no, I did a couple of them. Um, I did. I did one um, in. Let's see here. It was the. It was the town that was right outside of the uh, the, the devious manor, where they had me go and deliver invoices to people. Um, hmm. I did. I did that one. Hey kids, does that, <laughs> that sound like a fun video game experience for you to go deliver invoices? Yeah, FreshBooks.com, uh, motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're ten ninety nine, FreshBooks.com. It's gonna save you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but. <laughs> But uh, like I, I didn't see these as the uh, as as the Link's Awakening because that was like a finite chain of events which led you to explore different towns and do different things in different areas. This is the first example. Yeah, the, you're right. That's not probably not the best. What what, what 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 these quests were? It was the equivalent of let's say Final Fantasy for the After Years. Where after you finish a chapter, there was the bonus dungeon where you had a you know one in two hundred and fifty six chance of getting the ultimate weapon for that chapter's character by going through this ultra hard dungeon and stealing this item from a different person and smithing it at this kind of different thing. It's a super Japanese concept, which is like, hey, if you want to go and like bang your head against this rail for about you know four hours more than you need to, then go ahead and do it. If you have the strategy guide to know that this is what it's going to yield you, because most of these items are only dropped from specific enemies that spawn in specific screens um, on specific times of day. Now, like I am a person who's on record as being not a hard it gets hard game to like Dark Souls. Yeah. No, no, I'm a person who's who's on record as like not thinking that Final Fantasy XII is that bad, but the hunts in Final Fantasy XII are fucking egregious for the same reason. Because you right. have to satisfy these very specific, non-alluded uh, to consequences, except for things that are listed in uh, seven-point fought in the, uh, in the in the strategy guide. It's that same thing, you, you mm-hmm. know. It's it's that, it's that very same kind of sentiment, which is, you know, you bought this game, and we're going to make you, you know, we're going to make you love it. Damn it! Right. And I can't like a lot of times we're, we're talking about old games. We I, I try to put myself in the mind of a, of a younger person, you know even though this isn't that old, like I would have been 23 when this came out, but like a younger person with more patience and, and less demands on, on my life. And, but I never would have thought that was fun. Like if I got this as a kid, I never would have been like, okay, you know, wh- now I need to figure out which animal drops this and what time of day and do it enough times to where I have the chance of him actually dropping it. Like never would have been fun for me. I barely had patience for Shenmue trying to figure out who was going to be aware at what time of day. It's just, it's, that's just, that's just never fun. Like, that's just never, it's never a good idea. Or it's like uh, hunting for the, the pink tail. 
yeah. in Final Fantasy IV, which, like, I spent, you know, I maybe spent an hour trying to do that when mm-hmm. I first read about it. And then at some point just had this realization that's like, my time is more valuable than this armor, <laughs> than, the, you know, than this fakey armor that doesn't exist. You know, my characters are powerful enough. And that's the the kind of side benefit these side quests could do is it's forcing you to kill a lot of monsters. You're going to level up a lot. I never felt underleveled in the game, though. No, I never had like, to grind. Yeah. So, I mean, forcing you to grind when you don't need to just for these little kind of uh, like little bonuses to make your your party, you know, kind of platonically the most powerful that it can be. Just just no, no reason for it and no, no fun and no reason. Mm hmm. For it It'd be the subtitle of this episode. <laughs> no fun and no reason. Yeah, there's just literally nothing. You're mining a cold, dead planet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's just nothing you're going to get from that. Which I mean, it's it, it. In all fairness, it's not required. Right, it is not required. So I, I agree. Um, so I mean, that's that, that's 100 percent true. <laughs> but but I mean, we, we can we we can make it because we we can make that complaint because anybody. You know, woe betide them if they decide to venture down one of these rabbit holes and, like, not figure out that side quests are, you know, ridiculous. Kind of like, you know, anybody who doesn't figure out the treasure quests or, or treasure treasure chests or, you know. You still didn't get that it. right. And it was, like, three attempts. Jesus. <laughs> wow. treasure chest. Tre- so, it, so it doesn't matter that it's not required. It's, like, side quests are fun. Yeah. Like a lifetime of video gaming has taught me that I want to do side quests because they're cool. Mm-hmm. Every time someone asks me to do something in like Baldur's Gate, I'm happy to do it because it'll be a very task and I'll get a cool reward. And it's, it's giving me pretty, you know, experience that I need. Yeah. Like I like side quests. Mm-hmm. Don't this game takes like these things that I like and makes me hate them. Yeah. Like you just talked about the treasure chest. You know, I have a, a Pavlovian video game response to treasure chest. Like, I see a golden, shiny treasure chest, or the same way I feel when I see a coin. Like, of course I want it. <laughs> Every treasure chest in this game gives you bullshit. Don't pick... Like, what a weird thing to design to your game. Like, it's not important to pick up treasure chests. Yeah. It's just not. It will give you a gummy frog, or it will give you some kind of seed. Some kind of seed, which you have to... We'll talk about that. Like, we talked about it a little bit, but we'll go into, like, exactly how much fucking time and effort is go- goes into that. So, it just... There's no... And even if... You know, so there are benefits to these things. Like, having a seed can help you out but you have no context to know why like i had no point knew why one seed would be better than another and in order to feel good about opening that treasure chest i need to know that at that time not after mm-hmm. not after checking it back and not after going and experimenting with them in a long slow tedious process like yeah. i want to open it and be like cool i got this thing never happens never happens in this game like what a weird choice like i can't it's hard for me to even fathom that as a, as a design decision it's like if if there was a if there was one chest in any given dungeon that gave you a new weapon and new weapons do give new functionality mm-hmm. like like getting a new weapon is neat even 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 if only until they ruin that until they take this thing that's supposed to be neat and destroy it well but. yeah yeah but i mean it's like but it's like if if they if they rarefied them to the point where like like there was something you sought it'd be cool but it would be Zelda, Maybe. and that's what's cool about Zelda. And like whenever you find a new thing in Zelda, it's fun. I wish I would have realized it earlier because I could have gotten through the game so much more quickly by just running and trying to find the fastest path through to the new area. Right. I was operating under like the time I played it. I was thinking that I was leveling up at a steady pace that I needed to level up at. So I never felt under leveled, but I was afraid if I did that, I would end up being under leveled. So who, yeah. who knows if that's the case. So you end up in Vincat vicinity um, and end up going to the Vincat Hall, which is what I mentioned before, that area with the uh, the door that doesn't give you feedback if you're there at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, this is very obviously a vampire lord. 
Um, and you go into this like goofy Abbott and Costello routine where the girl's like, I thought I saw a g- 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 ghost. And you're like, oh, don't be silly. And then she's like, no, let's, you know, and then you say the night there and she's like, well, what do you mean? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's supposed to be comical. It's not. And you, and you spend the night at the vampire lords. Oh, so which he, of course, kidnaps uh, the girl. And this is the, the point in the game where it decides to showcase the flaws in the magic system. Yep. Um, so you collect various spirits uh, throughout the uh, throughout the course of your adventure, um, and each of them, like they introduce themselves, they're they're characters to a certain extent, but then they fade away into the background to be tools for you to use. If you want to get a, like the the good things about sort of mana, you know, uh, Bell, the uh, so I like how they handle the control scheme for magic, where where if you uh, I don't like having to sw- how you switch between spirits, but I like how each spirit has two spells. And the way you differentiate between them is one of them is a passive upgrade that you tap the button, and the other one is an attack and you hold the button. Yeah. It's a very clever like designing around the lack of buttons on the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I almost wish they, that, that that they had reversed it though, because I got more utility out of the attacks, um, but I would have used the buffs more if they if they were stronger and harder to get to. See, I, w- I was actually the opposite. Yeah, like I got a lot more the the power up buff which I used in, until I got the heal buff. And yeah. then I just kind of kept going with those. So I almost never uh, use attacks on anything, except for later when you have to, to get past certain uh, kind of uh, barriers, which is stupid. Yep. Um, <laughs> Try, trying but, to recognize which color they are? Yeah. Well, totally. You know, I'm colorblind, so it's like they don't, I don't expect games to oh, design fuck. around Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's... So every, every time I came to one, I would have to use, I would use the most recent one I got, thinking that that was probably the most logical. But that wasn't it. I would use up all of my magics. Mm-hmm. Um, until I got to the right one. So so when you first get this magic, you get this uh, salamander character who shoots fire magic. To proceed, you go into a room where there's a zombie and he can only be damaged by, by fire magic. You have, like, I don't know, each time you cast the attack version, it takes six points. Mm-hmm. Um, you have maybe 36 points of magic. And that's if you didn't spend any time experimenting with magic beforehand. You had to hit this guy, like, five times. It's pretty easy to miss him. And to get, it teaches you how to get back your magic, which is to sit down. And if you sit down, I timed it out, you gain one point of magic back every two seconds. So to get back enough to shoot it again, it's 12 seconds. All the while dodging the zombie, you're sitting, but the zombie's going to come interrupt you. So you have to go to the other corner of the room and sit some more. So if you used your magic when you got it, because you're like, hey, a neat new toy, because that's what video games are about, and you want to have this feeling of increased utility, you go into this room with zero magic. It's 12 seconds per shot, five shots of being interrupted. So it's more than 12 seconds per shot. So probably two minutes of game right there in the middle of it that you can't actually play. Like you're just sitting down to wait for your magic to recharge so you can shoot magic at this enemy that only has one weakness. Terrible. You know somebody hates a game when they pull out a TA-83 in order to just like spit <laughs> yeah, venom at it. Like, <laughs> like, well, I was, just, I was just watching that number crawl up, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Like, why is this so slow? Um, the and, and to the game's credit, and this is not – I'm not going to give it a ding for this or anything, but this is the only time I have that problem. Like later on, they don't do so many enemies that if they need magic to be hit, you can – they're not like uh, guarding a door. Like, this is a guy who a door is tied to, so you have to kill him to open the door to move on. Mm-hmm. Later on, they don't do that so much. Even though they do put treasure rooms in later on where there are three of those fuckers. Jesus. So you're looking at, like, you know, seven or eight minutes 
to clear this one room in order to get an oblong seed. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> this is before you recognize that treasure chests are worthless. So you're 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 going to be inclined to spend the time. Yeah. So so awful. They're, they're like no, I can't believe somebody got to that point and just said maybe they just didn't. They knew not to experiment with magic, but just like the playtesting. Mm-hmm. Like, how did somebody not get to that? And notice it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with it. I mean, no, I think, it's, I think it's okay. That it's just it's every every. I, I only had like a third of the experiences in this with this game, but every one of them just just is it designs this other awful truth about the game. Like it just it it underlined the game is parading its flaws. Yeah, one by one, every new area is an opportunity to do something terrible. Every every new area and every new thing that you get is another is another kink in the hose. Yes, you, you know it, it is. I mean, just, and and just like various enemies and various of these of these door monsters, which are not accessible, which is inhumane. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's oh god that. that I have a there's a there, there's a special place in hell for anybody who decides to leave subtitles out of their game. And yeah. and like just so I, I I think of that as a person who has difficulty hearing and I hear you talking about like, yeah, I'm colorblind, so I can't figure out what to do with this. So I just have to hit whatever. So, yeah, yeah, that that hits the same same area in my in my outrage core. Right. <laughs> so. it is, and, 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 and games have made a lot of strides yeah. towards that. Like, um, you know, they're, they're, they're significantly better now. Like Peggle has a colorblind mode and like a lot of games when they're, you know, those kind of puzzle games, it's what's prevented me from being able to uh, enjoy bust a move my entire life. Yeah. The lack of a colorblind mode. Um, when you get to the, the, finally you get through this hall and you, you, you find the vampire Lord that's holding, uh, holding your, your girl, uh, captive, Longtime companion Julius is there before you before you get there and spouts some really inane dialogue that makes no sense where he says something about like uh, he's referred to as mysterious man at this point. He says something like, mm, I smell a hellhound and then leaves. You think you're going to fight a hellhound. Nope. But of course you don't. Because why? <laughs> why would you? <laughs> why? Why? Like, why did he say that? Is that something that comes up later? Like, is there like Cole? <laughs> Nope, I, for, I, for, I forgot about it. There's no hellhounds in this game. Like, what did you talk? What are you talking about? Like, mysterious man. Like, but you you get to a boss fight here, and, and the boss fight is a sack of shit. Like, I just it's a you, I, I just I want to impress upon people that I don't I'm not shirking my duties. It's just wearing me down. Uh-huh. Like everything, every time you get to the basement, you get out a shovel in this game, and that's you know. That's what what it is. Did you did like is are the did you have fun in any of the boss fights? I mean, some of them, you know. I mean, so like some of them, they had they had uh, patterns that were you know not not so much not not easy, not fun. They had patterns to figure out. Mm. There, 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 there you go. And then figuring out like like where the safe places on the screen to stand are. I mean, those, those are standard, you know, right. uh, action action RPG tropes. Right. So, and, and I'll give the game credit that maybe there are later boss fights that are more fun. Yeah. So this one is not fun. The this, Hydra that I fought later is not fun. This, this is, I mean, this this is your first real boss fight in the game, aside from the 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 the, the gladiator monster that you fight. And this is then this is one where they bring in the resistances to the different types of damage, and you only have a you, know, you only have a very limited arsenal at this point. Um, yeah. But of course, I had chosen. I thought it would be cool to use my bow. 
mm-hmm. in the game. Because role-playing games, you know, at least in part, are supposed to be about choice and, and designing your guy the way you want him, you know, want to play him. I thought it would be cool to be an archer, so I started building my guy towards that. But with alarming regularity, the game, you know, subvert, like pulls the floor out from under you when you try to do things like that. So my bow was doing, like, two damage to this guy, and my sword did a regular amount of damage. So they just force you to go use another weapon for a little while for no particular reason. There's nothing to make, in my mind, that makes a werewolf more susceptible to swords than bows. Right. You know, there's no logic behind it. There's no uh, diegetic reason for it. There's there's no, there's just nothing to it. There's just, it's an arbitrary choice to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. To, like, make you well-rounded, make the game more boring. Like, to give you less choice and make it a more, you know, just kind of jack-of-all-trades experience. And that's not even getting into like how much of a pain in the ass it is to switch weapons. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to get into that because because like a large part of this game and a lot of the time that you're going to spend in this game is spent trying weapons against enemies and then going into this radio menu, which is abortive and awful, mm-hmm. um, and switching over to a different thing. Now, if this was on the PlayStation, um, there are three types of, of damage. There's slashing, there's jab, which is like piercing kind of stuff, so that's what your bow is and your and your uh, flail and your and your spear. And then, there, and then there's bash, which is like your fisticuffs and uh, staffs and things like that. Now, if, if you had three buttons that were dedicated to those different types of damage... And you could map different kinds of spell elements to different shoulder buttons. This game just doesn't have enough buttons. Like, it would have yeah. been fine. Like, oh, I can just, you know, it's just like, oh, my, my slashing weapon, which is my sword or my axe or my sickle, that's on the square button. I could just go over to this different thing. I'll do my piercing weapon, which is mapped mm-hmm. to this button. That would have been fine. And that would have made that aspect of the game, the rock, paper, scissors kind of thing, that would have made it worth it to a certain extent. But... Because this, this this thing which the game hinges on, the ability to attack and effectively damage people, depends on you diving into this menu. You would think that they would at least make the menu tolerable. And even if they had done that, if they had done the, the three buttons thing, which that's a very elegant solution for this, it still kind of detracts from that, you know, the ability to play the game the way you want to, to play it. You know, like if you, if you can't specialize in this game... The level-up structure and the class structure is built towards specializing, but the game is constantly undercutting you and making you use underutilized abilities yeah. all the time. Which, like, it's, that's not the first time, you know, that happens in a role-playing game. You know, um, the so one of the things I think about, uh, a classic uh, bad video game design thing that I always think of in a game I love is in Final Fantasy IV, you're in the uh, the underworld you're getting to the, the the second or eighth or twentieth cave where Cain betrays you because that's what happens all the time in that game, and you get to the wall monster that that you're fighting and you have to cast wall on your characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the character uh, Rosa, your white mage, is the only person who can cast it, and she casts spells at a level at a uh, or learns spells at a steady rate in that game. So if you just haven't been leveling her up, which I think you get her back at that point or something like that, then yeah. you hit a wall and you can't continue without working on specializing in this character that you maybe haven't spent very much time with. Yeah. That happens once in Final <laughs> Fantasy IV. That happens multiple times per screen in Sword of Mana. <laughs> like, you can be in a dungeon and have fight enemies of all three different types or resistant to all three different types mm-hmm. in, in a screen easily. Yeah. So this thing that's like a pain in the ass in a, in a great game and I forgive it for, that happens once, yeah. happens all the time in this game. Like, oh no, I have to make sure that Rose is at level 34 so I can cast Float on my guys. That's right. a thing, you know, Just and you right. learn that. Right, whereas this is just you have to make sure every weapon is 
it, even if you put aside the mechanics of getting to it, like we have your three button solution, which is very elegant and good. Um, just having to, you know, the weapons level up. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just, you know, I wanted to shoot bows. It's what I wanted to do. That was the, my highest level weapon. That's why I've been building my character towards, but I was constantly being forced into a, a situation where I had to put my like worst foot forward. Yeah. You know, that just, I just, it's mind boggling. And it gets even worse when we get to just a little bit later in the game when certain <laughs> weapons have um, when certain weapons have functionality, kind of like the tools in uh, Zelda. Yeah. Um, where if you don't, hmm, they put enemies that are resistant to piercing damage in areas where you need a piercing weapon to get around. Yes. Yeah. And that's fucking stupid. And I was trying to. I was. I wanted to make sure when I was infuriated by that. That I was like, what? What makes you know, legend? What makes a link to the past okay? Where I have to switch to the hook shot a lot, but it's the fact that I have. It's not my form of attack. It's a utility right. thing. You and always have the. You always have the sword bound to that one. It works on everything. Yeah, and you're in a dungeon that is hook shot themed, so you get the hook shot. It has utility outside of that dungeon, but you can feel safe in having the hook shot equipped the entire ice dungeon. It's not about switching back all the time. If you had to switch back just as many times in Legend of Zelda, it maybe be a little bit easier because the menu is less clunky, mm-hmm. but it would still be obnoxious. But that's just it's designed with it in mind. Whereas this game doesn't feel in like some of these ways, it doesn't feel like it's designed at all. It just feels like these systems that somebody thought up and then just kind of put into a pile. And again, that's an, that's an, another thing about Japanese design, which is. Like you have like these silos of the different areas and you have the person who works on the fruit system and the person who works on the weapon system and the person who works on et cetera, et cetera, on mm-hmm. and on down the line. And there, it's just like there, there's no cohesive hole behind it. Right. This is it needs a unifying voice to sit down and look at all of these things together and take the long view yeah. and see if they work. It's like like pay as much attention to the way, like to the moment to moment of your game as you do to, you know, designing these Byzantine systems of of leveling up and tempering and so area number three (laughs) (laughs) i saw i I can think of at least four other things i need to complain about this game Okay, you, you fight a vampire lord. That sounds exciting. It's not, and then you go to uh, you're on your way to Wendell. Um, and in Wendell, like this is kind of where the plot starts. Like once you find your Obi Wan figure, the incredibly racist Sambo Lord Shiva. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who was one of the original Gemma Knights uh, who helped vanquish the Vandals and derp a derp. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so he uh, he aids you. In trying to defeat the Dark Lord somehow by saying... Yeah, you have to get a mana sword. Yeah, and, you know, makes sense. It's sort of mana. The, uh, there's a really annoying part in this town when you're leaving, again, without lack of feedback. You're, you're trying to leave the town, and you, somebody, you tell somebody um, you can't leave the town because it says you need to, to talk to somebody first. Or we need, I need to go to the cathedral, and that's where Chiba is. You go to the cathedral, you can't get in. But every time you try to leave town, it says you need to go to the cathedral. What you actually have to do is talk to this guy who suggests you let free his birds mm-hmm. and then go do it. And then you stop getting the message to go to the cathedral so you can leave town. 
What? Like, like that? Like that's just such a failure of feedback. This happens so frequently throughout the game. I mean, there there are areas, there are towns that you can't leave because the little text boss comes up and says, "Hmm, maybe I should have a look around first. It's like I talk to everybody. And and this is where it's it's literally telling you the wrong thing to do. It's not just stopping you from moving on at your own pace. It's saying to go do something you don't need to go do. And if this was an intelligently designed game, each of these like things that you had to go do would give you a tool that would allow you to face these enemies. So they wouldn't put up this arbitrary text box wall or they wouldn't put up these arbitrary kind of like, you know, item kind of things. They would make it so difficult or so imppractical to proceed in this direction until you got that tool. Right. 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 I mean, I it, mean just, it wouldn't be that transparent. It wouldn't be that arbitrary. So... <laughs> You leave, you leave window, Wendell, you've met Chiba. We're, we're coming up on a, on a part where I'm going to say uh, something good about the game, which is the only music in the game that I thought was kind of neat, okay. which is in the, the dwarf cave. Okay. I, um, I, don't, I don't remember it particularly, so you're going to have to put it in. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I will cut it in because it's it's not bad. Um, the music in this game is uh, is not great, and it's, it's frustrating because Secret of Mana has amazing music, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a huge plus point. Of this game, and a lot of people who came to this remake specifically are probably fans of Secret of Mana. Um, the music in this game, for the most part, is really bland. Um, this music it kind of reminds me of like the Mesidia theme in Final Fantasy IV, that kind of like industrial quirk mm-hmm. kind of thing that Nobu uh, Yatsumatu does every once in a while. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're listening to it right now in the background. Um, it's pretty good. This whole little bit though is pretty generic about going through this forest. Um, you have to use that flail to get between islands. Yeah. Um, you're crossing like one foot wide gaps. Like, why can't I jump? <laughs> like, jumping in this game adds nothing. Like, yeah. you get the ability to jump, and it just—it's just a gate. It's just a key that lets you get past certain things. Yeah, which you and, have to remember that you have that ability. Right, because you—you you very rarely use it. You can't use it here. Fucking mind blowingly, you get to the mine after this, and you can't use it to jump over mine tracks. <laughs> like, there are mine tracks you can't step over. Or yep. jump over. They are they they are for all intents and purposes walls that reach to the stars. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like <laughs> if that's if that's the case, make the mine tracks raised up on a very high platform. Don't have them appear to be right on the level of the floor that you're walking on. I know, and don't give me the ability to jump. Just it just it, it's uh, it's incredible. Like, you get to this this mine. The reason why you're going to a mine, and I'm going to say another nice thing about the game, is because you have to get into this thing called Gaia, mm-hmm. with Gaia Cave, which is a big stone face on the mountain that I think looks pretty sharp. It looks pretty good. I mean, there are a couple of these things where they have these facades that look really good. Yes, and this looks a little bit like the Rock Biter from NeverEnding Story, <laughs> um, which I anything that recalls NeverEnding Story, I'm in favor of. I like it. But you need to get some mithril. You team up with a bland dwarf. Boy, it would now be as good a time as I need to talk about how fucking useless companions are. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> God damn it. Sword Pro Mana. tip. Once they die, leave them dead. <laughs> yeah, never, never heal your companions because they will never help you out in any way. The girl for a little while has a healing ability. Yes. Which, which you so get later. Being healed is, of course, fine. But you get the healing pretty soon and you don't need her right. anymore. The companions are awful. And I like this idea of getting a new companion every every once in a while. Like you're in an area, you, you team up with somebody who's specialized to that area. 
Um, you know, they'd have different weapons, maybe different strengths, everything like that. That seemed cool. Fun fact, throughout the entire third act of the game, you're with the same useless person. <laughs> That's not a fun fact. This is a sad fact. That's a grim reminder. A great grim reminder. <laughs> grim reminder. Uh, and all of your all of your companions are useless. So I guess we don't have as much to say about that. But again, another miss. Everything that you think should be neat about this game is actually awful. Yeah. Every single thing that you think would be cool is not cool or fun. Um. So so you go through the, this mine. You're trying to find uh, Mithril. The mine. You get the sickle. Which is a, an, like a, a spin effect weapon. Mm-hmm. Like you spin around with it. Um, I didn't want to use this because I'd chosen a weapon, but I'm in a new area. I know I'm going to have to use it. The way they want you to use it is you get on these, you're on these mine puzzles where you're in a, a circuit of a, of a mine cart going around and you, you flip a switch on your way, which changes the, uh, uh, the direction that the mine cart is going. As you're going through these puzzles, the consequences for missing it get more and more severe. And the consequence is waiting. So the first one is a short circuit that you go around over and over. Oh, like that uh, one movie from the 80s. Yeah, the second one is short circuit two with uh, what's his head in brown face. And like, yeah, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy. But it's, yeah, the, guy, the guy's pretending to be Indian in like a move that would never happen now. Um, but the second one is a bigger like circle that straddles two screens. So if something happens and you just miss that switch, you just have to wait a little bit longer. The third time's even longer. Like, that just violates so many, like, principles of what's fun in games. Mm-hmm. Like, the consequences for failure shouldn't be boredom. <laughs> like, it's not it's not No More Heroes, where it's like you do the little side quest and they're mowing the lawn and it's really boring and it's this commentary on video games. This is all played straight. You know, like, the con- boredom should not be something you ever want to have enter into your game. No. And never as a consequence for failure, because that makes me just want to stop playing. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't make me want to keep doing it because I'll be, oh, no, I don't want to be bored. You know what I have as an alternative to boarding, being bored? I'm a grown adult who's a nerd. <laughs> I have, like, 150 unplayed Steam games. Like, don't threaten me with boredom, because <laughs> I will fix it. I have... I have a project in OmniFocus that I have to scroll through for 30 seconds full of games that I haven't played through yet. Totally. <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't threaten me with boredom, sort of mana, because you will not win. You have nothing, nothing to lord over me with that. <laughs> I'm never going to be like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I might as well try this minecart thing some more. Except that they fucking got me because I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> so ordinarily that would be true, but it happened to catch. It seems week. like a weird. It seems like a weird thing for them to count on. Some, yeah, some yeah, the designers weird. just knew that. Like, well, hopefully, hopefully, retro video game podcasts are really big in the future. <laughs> Taking a lot of people to power through a third of this game. All right, our work is done. Let's go kill ourselves. God damn. Anywho, so you get Mithril. Um, I forget why. I like to take back to the dwarves so they'll let you through something. No, you're giving it to that uh, the rock biter. Oh or, yeah, so you can get into Guy Cave, and that's where you. Yep. Do something. It leads to Lake Vicinity. A lot of the areas have really bland names, which I think is actually kind of funny. I yeah, like it's, uh, it's pretty. Been Cat Vicinity and Lake Vicinity is the <laughs> yeah. official name. It's like every town has a cave and and all that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like. Yep, this is this is an area that you're going to run through as a buffer to add time. Um, so you you finally get to finally get to team up with Chiba, uh, which means nothing to you because the lore in this game is so underexplained. Like you know he's one of the five original Gamma Knights, but what that actually means or his utility is is worthless. It's not cool or anything. But you team up with him because um, Megan gets kidnapped and she's on an airship. Mm-hmm. Um, if you play as Megan, I guess this is one of the main areas where the game diverges and. A lot of the bad guys kind of explain more of the story and, and more of their motivation. 
but instead you just go on the airship and do a really short like little one room like, dungeon. I expected this to be like a disc one dungeon kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh crap, we're gonna like go right to where they're at. And nowhere else are airships explained or even used in the plot. Yeah. And the airship looks like a late uh series Pokemon. <laughs> like it looks like the final form of some kind of weird Pokemon, black and white Pokemon. And it's really strange looking. <laughs> what, what it reminded me of, it's it's like if if the protodome from Wild Arms was even more anticlimactic. Mm. Yeah, that is a, that is an apt, that's an apt uh, comparison. Um, so the, the big bad at this point is trying to get this pendant. I can't remember like if they explained adequately what the pendant does. The pendant opens the door to the Mana Sanctuary. Okay. So it's a MacGuffin. Right. This actually features kind of a cool sequence where you break out of a window and, and are on the side of the ship. Yeah. Before when you so you know again like ding ding this is kind of a neat thing. I I, I thought that was a cool scene. Um, yeah. and, and you're, you're spying on the big bad as he's threatening her. Um, she throws the pendant to you and, uh, you stand there like an idiot until you get shot and fall, <laughs> you know, ordinarily to your death, but because you have super falling mono abilities, you don't, but that, that whole scene I thought was kind of reasonably dramatic. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But you land and, uh, um, coincidence of coincidences, one of your old buddies from the gladiator, uh, arena, Amanda, she finds you and rescues you. She, uh, escaped in the, in the din that you created and, uh, has, you probably just left. That's what you did. Does anybody realize that like the doors aren't locked? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's this whole gladiator honor system. <laughs> okay, you're a gladiator now. I promise. <laughs> well, sure, I don't see why not. Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll find some monsters. Whatever. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> this is, coincidence is the the engine that powers the plot of this game. Yeah, like you run into her later. You run into the fucking birds that you let loose like half a world away. Yeah, there, there's there's there, there's there's an explanation for that. I forget if you got to it though. I, I probably not. Oh. Oh, because one of the birds is actually, yeah, I did get the explanation, yeah. and it's dumb. Like it's, <laughs> one of the birds is secretly a bard, or like she turns the bard into a bird. And every so you run to this girl, she nurses you back to health, she trades away the pendant. That's all the plot we need to talk about. Yep. You end up in this layer of Medusa, which is not actually a Medusa, so why repurpose, you know, mythology without using it? She does, like, one of her attacks does turn you into stone. Okay, because mostly she turns people into birds. Yes. With her attacks. Stone and birds. A bird is singing a song that you later heard, or earlier heard a bard sing. So everyone instantly jumps to the conclusion that the bird actually is the bard. Yeah. <laughs> In a world without songs, I guess, where like there's just one song and one person knows it, you can reasonably make that assumption. Put we? You know? <laughs> yeah, like it's not like you know. Tell me something only my brother would know. This is a song everybody fucking knows. I just saw him in like a public square, square, like singing to a bunch of people. Yeah, like what a what a weird leap of logic. And it, like it does, it does have some significance because uh, because oh god damn it, <laughs> it does have some significance because it is the song that Lord Grant sang. He was the bard who they put in charge, you know. So he by by singing that song, he exposed himself to risk because because uh, because you know they the, the 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 current empire led by the Dark Lord is seeking out uh, sympathizers for the Grons and the Mana. So right, they're doing the plucky plucky young kids versus the empire. JRPG thing. Yeah. You know, for, for the beginning of it. But just this idea, it's not like he's the only one who knows that song. Like, it's not like a bird couldn't learn that song. Like, in a world where a bird can sing, it's the in a bird. world where that song exists, you have no reason to make that. You ever seen the video of the lyre bird? 
Yeah, it makes the the, the camera clicks. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's incredible. Good, good, uh, good on you to bring it up so we can put it in the show notes when anyone hasn't seen it because it's so good. But just you know, if songs exist and if birds can sing, you have no reason to come to this conclusion. Right. It's, it's a baffling scene. <laughs> and and like literally, that plot device sticks throughout the entire thing. Like birds are featured throughout, <sighs> with the implication that. You know the birds are the people of the Mana Clan that were that were turned into birds by the Vandal Empire because Medusa is the Lord of Julius or no, not the Lord Medusa is the as the, the mother of uh, Julius and the Dark Lord and basically okay. everybody else. You know yes. she's 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 like one of the last of the Vandals. She lives in a mansion that was named by the same people who named Dark Lord. Exactly. Well, devious, devious manner. Devious manner and devious devious is uh, the Dark Lord's brother. Yes. There's a whole whole bland family tree here. This is we're getting very close to when I quit. Yeah, very very close. We're so up I'll there. stop yelling about <laughs> stuff in the middle of plot explanations. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, but you, you have to go to a desert after this um, because you're chasing down the uh, the pendant. Yeah, and that's when I quit. I was in the desert. I got to a point where I didn't know where to go next. It's a big long maze like thing. There's a part where you have to open up a cave by walking around cactuses and a figure eight. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think someone alludes to in, in town, but the game, you know, there's, I haven't been talking to everyone in town because they're awful. And, and that's what I, I said, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. The, 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 the town where you get that, where you get that advice, the town that's before this dungeon, uh, Jad, that's where I did the invoice quest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the figure eight thing from, from earlier, uh, when I played the game back when I was like 12 years old. Um, and, um, it's fairly infamous as being like one of those really, really hard to figure out. Uh, kind of kind of puzzles like oh gosh why in the world would I, would I ever think that but only by talking to a bunch of people do you figure out and it's kind of like final fantasy 6 where it's a town full of liars and like one of the one of the people that you talk to his name is big fat liar and he says those who fight the flow of time will never get to go and blah 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 so the trick is to go clockwise around it because he's a big fat liar and he's going to tell you the opposite of what you need to do yeah. which it's is clockwise in to- a figure eight yeah which like it doesn't doesn't make any sense at all. Don't worry. Uh, Don't worry. It doesn't make sense. But it's so incongruous with the rest of the game. There are only a couple more times throughout the game where puzzles like that kind of come up. There's one a little bit later where you have to do the infamous uh, um, in every other game, like water level uh, puzzle, where it's Mm -hmm. never alluded to except for the fact that there's a lake that you have to get across. And normally, when you're faced with that kind of obstacle, you have to find just like an alternate way around. But except you, in this in this case, you have to go down the mountain and find specific rocks that you have to hit that will allow water to flow out. And there's no like indication. There's no like, huh? That'll probably lower the water level up above, like the standard text that they would give you to give you again feedback. The word of the day, PVC yeah. your word. Ah, yeah. uh, you would need to like this kind of thing works if they don't tell you exactly where if. If you're not in a huge multi-screen area with multiple things, it could be, uh-huh. you know, like it's, there's just too many. If there's just, you pass by a big stone monolith and then you get to a switch and it says something moved somewhere, you can be reasonably expected to think that that was the big stone monolith that moved. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of stuff like that in this area. Yeah. There's no, there's no reasonable expectation here. Yeah. And just like, and especially in the desert, these things look like scenery. There's yes. two, two, two plants, you know. And it just sitting there, Ugh, God damn it! So you, so this is this is this is where you dipped out. 
Yeah. Um, so I can kind of give uh, give a hit parade of the rest of the game up to the point where I dipped out, which was the next to the last dungeon. In fact, we're, we're kind of at a, like a long, long episode already for something we thought was going to be short. Yeah. If you yeah, want to just so. give the cliff notes and anything that particularly popped up mm-hmm. and then we can spend a little bit more time bashing uh uh, the various systems. Okay, cool. So um, the, at the end of the, the 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 dune maze is the altar of time, which is where Medusa fled to. Um, you defeat her. It's actually kind of a cool boss fight, um, and it adopts one of these mechanics, one of these systems uh, that other boss fights later on will, will 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 take up, which is they have various places that they'll roost throughout a boss arena, and you have mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time trying to uh, to to take them out. And the only reason that that is like 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 going to where they warp to. The only reason that that like becomes like entertaining for this is because um, as she warps around, she becomes this beam of light. They have to identify the trajectory that it's going on because if it hits you, it turns you into stone. Mm. And so like that, that leaves you over. No, no, it just leaves you open to take damage. Okay. Um. So so yeah, you defeat her. Um. And she she bites uh, Amanda, the, uh, the 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 gladiator girl, and she like becomes a Medusa. Um creature herself um basically the entire thing about the vandals is they were corrupted by the mana power and medusa is kind of like the uh um what's her name the 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 one trout the the one trevor girl from uh resident evil oh Zero. lisa trevor yeah lisa trevor she's you know she was the one who like got it worst because like mm-hmm. she constantly like forgets her family and whatever that happened to my grandpa <laughs> Jesus. <As well. laughs> <laughs> so she has to be locked up because she's a monster who can turn people into stone and birds. Um, so that's kind of cool. And she infects, uh, she, she infects Amanda and you have to kill her. It's one of those melodramatic things. I would like to figure out which, which game has the higher body count, this or uh, final fantasy four, because pretty much every, uh, every companion that you get dies in some kind of horrific fashion. Um, and this is also an area where you start to like, it starts to bring in this like, Oh, you know, like, are we any better than the enemies because we're killing them? And Medusa yeah. was, Medusa was the dark Lord's mother. And you know, like the They're dark trying Lord to killed bring my some mom. Cultural relativity and things in there too. Like when you talk to the dwarves, um, you take them to task for making weapons for the empire, but then they say, don't you carry your weapon around? Yeah. Um, the, uh, it's, I was reading on, uh, TV tropes, which we, you know, we regret, but every once in a while I'll look up things. And specifically for this game, I was doing that because I thought it might fill in some holes that I didn't get from playing it very far. And they're talking about the high body count and how many of your companions die. And it says, uh, good luck not getting attached to them. <laughs> like, You're what? with them for one dungeon. Or g- good luck getting attached to, the, to anybody in this game. Like, it's not like they, they have character or anything. Like, it's not like there's anything really to differentiate very much you know, between, between the different characters, like most of them are, are noble, but good. Yeah. And some, you know, <laughs> like, and then that's pretty much what we have. Again, that's a problem common to many JRPGs. I don't want to single this game out, but if you're going to have these dramatic story beats, like I was more, I thought, feel like Final Fantasy four, the characters have more character and personality yeah. than this game significantly. So, mm-hmm. so when a character dies in Final Fantasy four, it means a lot more right. than this. You know, like in a lot of ways, I keep bringing up that game in a lot of ways, um, partly because that's just such a, a good expression of like JRPG pureness yeah. and goodness. Like, And part of which is because I feel like it relies on a lot of the same kind of, uh, you know, story beats and plot points and just does them so much better. So Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, 2 if you're a gaijin, you know, and you do not recognize the superiority of Glorious Nippon, um, came out in 1991 <laughs> and uh, Final Fantasy Adventure for the Game Boy game that this is based off of and i recommend you play because it doesn't have all the extraneous cruft um also came out in 1991 
So mm-hmm. it makes sense that we would make that comparison because they are both from this kind of nascent age of, of, of JRPGs where they have the memory and the tech to dedicate towards some kind of, you know, towards some kind of plot. Now, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Adventure, it did have the melodrama. Like, it did have the story. The same mm-hmm. stuff that drew me to Final Fantasy II also drew me to Final Fantasy Adventure mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was but a young boy. So. But even even now, when you like them both, I, I imagine that you can recognize that Final Fantasy four. Oh God, yeah, it's stronger at it, even than the uh, the non tarted up Game Boy version of this. Yes, no, I mean de- definitely, I can I can I can understand that. I can re- I can I can recognize it, but I'm trying to justify it as you know, like like why you're saying it's an apt comparison. Oh, yeah. because because chronologically they you know they're 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 siblings. You know, it was the style at the time. Uh, <laughs> you flee back to uh, to Devious Manor to kill Devious because he kind of undergoes this crazy like oh god he killed my mom oh no and he takes he takes somebody hostage I forget and you kill Lord Devious he turns into like a some some kind of monster I don't know I'm I'm, I'm running out of I'm running out of care <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after you defeat him you are able to uh, revive Lester who is the the brother of Amanda the person who was killed who's also the bard that uh, you know the the bird who was singing that song and because he sings this song you know the uh, a wind passes across the swamp that you originally barred from going across and you go through Miasma Glen which is just another area where you have different monsters depending on the different times of day um, which leads you to Cascade Cave and Mount Alusia, and then finally towards Grand's Castle, where you have your ultimate um, or penultimate rather fight with the uh, with with uh, with the Dark Lord. Um, inexplicably, inexplicably, you fight uh, you fight this weird eagle monster boss before the Dark Lord mm-hmm. in this kind of one two punch of punch of bosses. Um, and this is something that's kind of like I, I feel the need to bring up because. Like the later bosses, they 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 make them more difficult by making like by making it so that your weapons can't hit them easily, and they'll put them just out of reach of certain weapons, mm-hmm. and the weapons that can reach them won't have effectiveness. So you have to, so you so you have to find this balance between okay, I can hit him a hundred times with this weapon that can hit the, that can hit him, or I can wait for these four frames where I can actually do damage. Not uh, not very fun. I, would, I for the most part, I feel like the combat like. In this game, you know, fighting the individual monsters is fun because Zelda is fun. And it's fun to walk up to things and hit them with a sword. But it's not like there's very much strategy to any any of, of the regular encounters, nor the bosses I ran into. No. You know, you just kind of walk up to something and hit it with the appropriate thing and just tap a tap a tap a. <laughs> it's not like there's, you know, the combat in this game is not deep. No. Or, or challenging or strategic in any way. The fight against the Dark Lord is actually pretty fun because he has very similar abilities to what you have. Um, you know, hmm. he attacks with a sword, and his his um, charge attack with a sword is uh, is exactly the same as yours. Like he like does like this uh, Kirby kind of dash across the screen hmm. with it, uh, with the exception that if he hits you with that, he inflicts a status um, a status effect on you, um, which keep, makes you unable to cast spells or attack for a short amount of time. Um, and the the the, the the arena is filled with these pillars that you can actually use to keep between you and him and you can attack through them, which is how I beat him, which was mm. by spamming, you know, by, by exploiting the geometry, uh, because he'll keep on trying to dash at you, but he won't like go around it. So you just hit him until he dies. Um, but if you're fighting him in like in a straight up duel, that's one of those things where like, Oh, I can get close to him. And in fact, I'm encouraged to and right. that's, like, that's cool. I think. Um, and at this point it's, it's fair to say that you're in kind of the third act. Um, and it's this, kind of 
I don't want to call it death march, but it's just this progression through different kingdoms. At this point, you get a, you get fast travel throughout the different areas. In a Final Fantasy Adventure, it was Chocobos, but because they wanted it to de Final Fantasy, Final Fantasize it, they uh, they made it into cannons. So you're shot by cannons uh, mm. through the air across the entire world, which I can only imagine would be very chilly and also bone breaky. Well, it's a good thing you don't die from fall damage. I know. You're like Chell from Portal. Like, <laughs> you've got those things on your feet. Exactly. Um, uh, but there are various kingdoms that you have to go to, and uh, there's a kingdom where the king sold out to this evil this evil spirit and covered everybody with ice, and oh no, this is blocking your way to get to the peaks to these rocky wilds, and <sighs> the sort of mana you find out from Chiba because he's alive after the airship. Uh, is in this oh, place called, uh, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like they like there's this big reunion where like uh, a bunch of the people that you thought were dead bogart the like the the, the one guy from the from, from earlier in the game one of the original gamma knights chip is alive you know wendell from earlier or not wendell whatever his name willie from earlier in the game he's alive and you rally and you say okay we've got we've got to get the sword of mana and that's what all this is for so you're trying to get your way to this uh to this place called the subsea volcano mm-hmm. where you get the sword of mana um this is where i dropped off um because it was about a half hour before we were getting ready to record the game, and I needed to make the notes for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left off at the at the boss before you get the sort of mata. But I remember from the original game that this is very close towards the end. Um, at the end, you you go to the Dime Tower, which just makes me think San you know San Dimas uh, High School football rules. <laughs> um, yeah, which at the top is the uh, it's the portal to the to the Sanctuary of Mana, where Julius is at, and he's kind of like the Zemus of the game. He's you know kind of been the puppet master behind the entire thing. Another Final Fantasy IV reference, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, kind of pulling the strings, and he has succeeded in. Uh, absorbing all of the mana uh, power from the mana tree, and you have to fight him and destroy him. And in order to replenish the mana, the, the mana uh, tree, the heroine has to sacrifice herself and become the new mana tree. And you are now her guardian. Bada boom, bada bing. That's the end of the game. You're done. Yeah, good, good on you. Good on you, sort of. <laughs> um, are you going to finish it? No, because I'm going to, uh, after this, <laughs> he's, I'm going he's two to areas away from finishing it. And he's not going to finish it, folks. Um, we should talk about it a little bit. So it suffices. So this is actually, and this may be shocking. This is my least favorite game we've done for the show. Mm-hmm. And that's saying a lot because I, you know, I really didn't like Metroid Fusion very much, even though I think like the first like three hours are pretty fun. Didn't like Sacrifice, obviously. Didn't like Abe's Odyssey. I think this game, more than any of the other ones, has... If, if not worse flaws, less to offer. Like, there's there's literally no reason to play this game. Like, there's nothing this game does neat that another game doesn't do better. And and it's just all the, all the negatives, but with no positives, still ends up being the greatest net negative. Like, I, I and it also just, the, the problems with it were more inexplicable than anything else. Like, Sacrifice is like, the entire premise is a little flawed. Like, the genre that they created for that doesn't quite work, mm-hmm. but they're experimenting, yeah. you know, and it has this really neat world, this really rich kind of mythology and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Abe's Odyssey, way too hard. The controls don't really work. Really rich world, kind of experimenting, doing something in a genre that is not tried and true. Um, you know, there, there aren't that many, the Prince of Persia type games. Um, fine. You know, um, this game takes something that is one of the most popular genres in, in video game history and just fucks everything like this thing that is so proven that just works 
We're not going to try to do anything neat, anything new with it. Just fuck it over. And I understand it's a remake, so it gets some credit for that. You know, it's not like I should think of this in the context of 1991 when these games. But even in 1991, there was still Legend of Zelda. There was still you know, Link to the Past was either come out or was just around the corner. Um, there was fucking uh, Crystalis. Like this, this genre had been perfected. You know, even if I think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. So just no, you know, inexcusable. So. <sighs> In this case, mediocrity is the greatest sin. You know, uh, when we play a game that isn't Super Mario World or isn't you know something that should be universally allowed, like you know Silent Hill Two or uh, what's one of the other kind of like obvious games, like oh we're gonna have to play this Final Fantasy VI. You know, right. when, when we when, when when we pick these games, you know where we're going to have negative things to say about them, you know, or where they're not universally regarded as being part of the canon, part of the pantheon, you know. Their mm-hmm. flaws should be interesting. So right. it either needs to go big or go home. And this game didn't go big. In fact, it just kind of it just kind of sided with rote complexity. Right, right. You know? Which is, in, in a way, like, it's hard for me to think of a game with this many competing systems on top of one another. So in that way, I guess it's a little bit unique. But so much of that content is optional. It's like, like why would it be there if you could ignore it? Right, right, and and it just, yeah, it is this is this is really like huge. I don't want to say disappointing because I didn't have anything going into it. I did think that an action RPG would be really fun after Sacrifice because action RPGs historically are very fun, mm-hmm. and uh, but this was diminishing and and save us Earthbound. Yeah, no, it like, will. <laughs> it, it has to, like, it has to be. It has to be good. It has to be. You know everything that the internet is telling me that it is. Well, I mean, let's let, let's not let's yeah. not go. The the, the internet some, says some things that you probably shouldn't believe. No, but <laughs> but but it is it has to be it has to at least be more interesting than this. It has and to at least and, not be a chore. You know, and we're not we're not shaming Kim. Like we're not you no, know, the person no. who suggested the game. I just want to make sure that's known. I I feel like we maybe like in the last one maybe stepped on some some feelings of the the gentleman who suggested sacrifice. And you know, games are subjective. It's a good experience to go through something, even if you don't have fun with it. It's like I think you, you know, Cole, you said it really well before we started, and you said like the bad games we do inform the good ones mm-hmm. we do. You know, this is teaching us. You know, we've never played this game with this kind of eye towards it, so it's teaching me to look for certain things when I'm looking at games, and that's mm-hmm. valuable. Yeah, it's a valuable experience, but it. Uh, doesn't make it any more fun to play or any any even possible really for me to get to play. Like I literally just couldn't. I just I just have one question. <laughs> what is that? Why, Kim? Why? <laughs> no. We give you, we give you uh, hours of free free entertainment and then you do this to us. <laughs> no, no, yeah. we, we we love everybody every one of you who listens. So Yeah, we really appreciate it. One of the things that's um so one thing we didn't talk about very much, and again a missed opportunity, and I just want to stick it in here because we would be not doing due diligence if we didn't talk about it is the level up system mm-hmm. in this game, which on paper is interesting. And if there was an in-game guide for it, I would give it a pass. Like you have six different areas you can level up in and every five of them, if you meet certain requirements. So if you're a level five thief and a level five sage, you'll gain a new class that have certain benefits. Mm-hmm. This is neat. Like I like this. The other systems in the game undermine it. Like the fact that I was building towards an archer, but half the time couldn't use a bow, 
That, those are in direct competition with each other. And the fact that I had to look on GameFAQs to see what I was building towards. Because um, on the individual levels, like level per level and a granular level, it tells you what stats you increase. But these kind of class changes that you're aiming for, there's nothing to indicate that that I could see. Um, but that, that's that's marginally neat. No, I'm so, just like the, the ability to, 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 to multi-class and like not to specifically... Uh, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to put a point in strength, but to build toward an archetype. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I think that's actually kind of a cool idea. I hope that they took that from a uh, a later game, and that would be probably the best part of that game. <laughs> Suffice it to say, never play this game. Yeah, avoid it if you can. I, I really wish that we would have just said play Final Fantasy Adventure, because I think that in a certain way, the expectations would have been diminished to a certain, you, you, you know? Like mm-hmm. it would have like, well, like, we, we, we would have extended more grace to it and there wouldn't have been these extraneous systems put on top of it. It wouldn't have been spoiled by trying to put too much makeup on it, you know? Right. And the extraneous systems are really the, the problem with that. The extraneous systems and the, and the, and the abundant text. I can put up with a bad translation because like the story's goofy anyway, but when there's too much of it, nope. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, we you know, you've heard we have to say we did get a couple of uh, listener responses yeah. from this. So uh, do you want to do want to go through that? Yeah, sure. Um, so our first response comes from Mogambo on the Something Awful forums, who says, "I think someone in Retronauts, which is another retro games podcast hosted on the One Up Network, hosted by the inimitable Bob Mackey, said uh, said it best about Sword of Mana in that it suffers from modern squareitis." Uh, in that they spend at least half an hour of hand-wringing over if someone named the Dark Lord might be the bad guy. Sword of Mana is a great example of how not to do a remake. The original is still perfectly playable today, except in the infamous Palm Trees and the Eight thing. Nobody has ever thought to themselves, hmm, I like Final Fantasy Adventure, but only if it had weapons, seed planning, and an annoying talking cactus thing. Oh, and I love ring menus. It's like the anti-Metroid Zero mission, which is which basically took an unplayable mess by today's standards and made it so much better. I, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> like yeah. I love Zero Mission. Mm-hmm. This is like the anti-Zero mission. And it's and, and just, you just have to wonder what's the audience for that. Yeah. Like 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 what made them decide to make that decision? Mm-hmm. Like why why hand ring over the over the dialogue like that? You know, like 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 just it just. Who is that for? Who who yeah, is I mean, all that dialogue for? Is it for younger audiences who need stuff explained to them? No, younger audiences don't need you know need you know you could, could just do the same ideas with less words. Yeah, it's and not just, like young young kids need more text explaining the same thing. It's and, and, you know like, all that it comes back to is a lack of respect for the audience, which I cannot tolerate. It's the you know what it is. It's the equivalent of like. When you're talking to someone who who has an accent and you're speaking slowly, <laughs> Low, like they, they slowly or loudly, they, yeah, they hear at the same speed. <laughs> um, like you know, it's not it's not that they hear slower; it's just they have an accent. Yeah, going over the same thing over and over and over the same story points is not going to help me understand it. No, just make the original things cogent, and mm-hmm. I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so we have a long response. We'll probably tag team. Yep. Um, from uh, Mir Nierker, um, one of the most fun. Uh, names to say. <laughs> and he says, um, <clears throat> I can't talk about Sword of Mana 
without talking about Saiken Densetsu slash Final Fantasy Adventure slash Mystic Quest. Even though I never owned a copy of my own, I borrowed it from a friend twice, it was definitely my favorite Game Boy game. And since I don't own any consoles or a PC, or I didn't own any consoles or a PC in those days, I played a lot of Game Boy games. Not only was it very fun to play, some of its story really got to me as a kid. Some examples. Uh, one of your friends ends up dying from his wounds right after the intro battle, You're not even, and you're not even three minutes into the game. Uh, you try to rescue the girl from an enemy airship, and you and the old knight, uh, Bogard, end up falling to the ground. He ends up seriously injured and chews you out for failing. Um, you help a friend to get some Medusa tears so she can change her brother back to his human form. You defeat Medusa together, but there are no tears. Then your friend reveals that she was bitten by Medusa and urges you to kill her before she transforms completely. And that is how you obtain the Medusa tears. Uh, in the tower that leads to the monoland, mo- monoland mm-hmm. your, your buddy uh, is a robot who's instructed to watch over the place. Since he shoots lasers and can refill your MP at any point, he's pretty kick-ass. On top of the tower, you defeat the boss, and it turns out to be a load-bearing boss, because the whole place starts shaking and falling apart. You run towards the bridge connecting the tower with the main le- with Monoland, but the bridge collapses right before you. The robot says that he can throw you across the gap, and then he'll jump himself. He tosses you and reveals that he actually cannot jump. <laughs> the screen goes black, and you hear the tower crumbling down. I'll tag you in at that point, Cole. The last part in particular ruined me as a kid. I remember rushing to the toilet because I felt the tears coming out, and I knew there was no way 10-year-old me could explain to my parents why a video game just made me cry. What also got me is that after that point, you are completely alone in the game. There's no one else going to help you, and there is no way to return. After defeating the villain and saving the girl, you are still alone. She becomes the next monotry, and you'll be her sole guardian. It's pretty damn bittersweet. Now, this is where it gets to the actual game that we played and not the superior original version. Yeah, Yeah, like all that stuff sounds like like his his summary of it sounds much more compelling than what we just experienced. So (laughs) I dislike Sword of Mana, first and foremost, because it completely shits all over this. For the remake, they decided to add the worst JRPG cliche to the mix, the power of friendship. He had a link to a YouTube video of the of the final speech in the game. You know, the whole, you know, you'll never win because you're evil and, and all that. We'll put it mm-hmm. in the show notes for you. But it's fairly rote. You've seen it in every, in every JRPG since, uh, again, Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then he continues to comment and this says, Note how everyone shows up, believes in each other, and how their friendship will prevail. Ugh. I also had completely forgotten about Willie there. He's the guy I just mentioned dying in the beginning of the original game. Not in Sword of Mana, though, where he lives during the entire fucking game. He's also in the female uh, version. She is your Lester. She like she oh. she or he he is her companion throughout most of the game oh. because he is one of the mana, one of the Mana clan. Uh, Mira Nuker uh, goes on to uh, conclude, the game also has other issues like how the environments are detailed, but it isn't always obvious where you can and can't go, how the class system and weapon tempering feels tacked on, how the cactus missions are obvious fodder for completionist spurg lords and add nothing to the game, how can you just spam the wisp spirits healing constantly to make every boss battle a joke? Totally. I totally agree. It's so it's so hard to talk about that power of friendship thing, like I just, you know, when every time JRPGs do that, you have to, for that to work, you have to make me believe that these characters are friends and they should be friends and there's anything to recommend them, you know, (laughs) like make them make jokes to each other, make them, you know, have a personality. 
like make them you know make them interesting mm-hmm. if you want me to believe that people in the game think they're interesting don't hinge your entire game the entire premise on something you can't support at all it was it was sad in final fantasy 4 when sid you know sacrificed himself and, and all it was fucking time. awesome is what it was. Well, yeah, like he because he's an airship like strapped with TNT to himself. Yeah. It, was, it was awesome. Yeah, but just kind of like from the very beginning, he was established as like your mentor in the Kingdom of Baron, you know? Just like mm-hmm. and he and he had this, you know, like curmudgeonly personality and you know, he was he was just funny and he like he just he, he was he was like the person you always went to. He was a father figure. And so when he says like, Okay, I'm gonna use my my expertise in engineering to save you guys by blowing myself up, you know, that was a sad thing. And when it played the sad music at the end and everybody everybody's sprite did the whole let's hang our head kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I was seven years old at the time, but that was kinda sad. That sucked. Right. You, know, you know? That's how you do it. Right or Purim and Palum, yeah. You know, is the other one I always always think too, which I like because they didn't quite kill themselves; they just kind of sacrificed themselves. I like how the game addressed that you've been healing people from from petrification the entire game, but uh, since they've done it themselves, they can't. It was actually, you know, it was actually very needed and everything. And I like this idea of you just being this attractor for tragedy, where people who tie their fates up in yours, you know, kind of end up uh, dying <coughs> in that game. You know, what'd you say? What'd you torment, tor- torment. Oh, okay, Torment. The, the, you coughed that. It was very convincing. It was like you did the Torment voice. And I don't know if you were coughing and trying to say the name of the game. Or, yeah, or, that's, or what I, that's what I yeah, was saying. Yeah, it's, a, it's that Torment thing. And that's a really resonant kind of idea. You can do that well. And it sounds like Final Fantasy Adventure does it well. Sort of Mana certainly does not. No. Um, obvious fodder for completion of Spurge Lords. You're right. Fucking cactus missions. Both of you guys you know, mentioned that annoying fucking cactus. We didn't even talk about that. It's just the seed system. Yeah. thing um you guys are both totally right and uh yeah i agree with both of you good on you yeah and we had some like facebook comments mostly it was people it was it was kim apologizing to us and you know you you you're responding okay can i go through the rest of my list uh yeah yeah what, what okay. other atrocities has this game committed? okay sort of mana is that kid at your college who went to every class on a razor scooter <laughs> um, sort of mana um, is a person who doesn't use the left lane to pass, but instead thinks it's okay to drive in it the entire way. Um, sort of mana once locked a small Gary in a uh, in, in a small room that was not tall enough to stand up in, but was not long enough for him to lay down in. Um, sort of mana is literally Hitler, and sort of mana did nine eleven. Yeah, those are all things that, that <laughs> sort of mana sort of mana did, and if only we could explode Hitler. That is sort of mana. No, like literally, literally, literally. Cool. Remember Bionic Commando? <laughs> that was a good game, wasn't it? Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, let's yeah. let's go play some good games and talk about yeah, who won this episode. A good time. Yeah. Let's let's go let's go play the deliberation game. A better game than Sword of Mana. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, the deliberation game is much more fun than Sword of Mana. I know. I like how. Uh, I like all the ways that it's fun to do things in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, to say nothing. Um, we both we liked both of these comments a whole bunch, and they both get to the, the the core of our problems with this game. And since we can't, you know, we're not going to buy like a $300 copy of Earthbound for either of you, and because we're currently in the middle of Steam, Steam Miss, um, <laughs> you, you both win. Yay! The combo and Iron Yorker. Uh, what you win is, you know, a couple indie games um, for my Steam account. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so just get get in touch with us, and we'll get your Steam IDs and everything. 
and hook you up. And if you have all of them already, then I apologize. That's always the danger because everyone, you know, Steam Mess comes only three times a year and everybody experiences it at the same time. So uh, you may already have these, but you may not. Mm-hmm. If uh, for one reason or another, either of you guys are not PC gamers at all, um, get on that. <laughs> And, it's it's and, uh, super easy. None of these games are very uh, demanding on your systems. So yeah, yep, and uh, great, great variety, and just amazing deals when you play games on PC. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about what we are doing in the ne- the next few episodes, Cole? Well, yes, I can tell them, Gary. Um, <laughs> what we're doing next, uh, the show that is going to be airing on August 9th, we're going to be playing the first part of Earthbound up to the end of Foreside. I think yep. is the uh, is is where we decided uh, we we're going to play, which is a fan suggestion for the uh, the nice bisection point for that. Um, and then that is going to be followed uh, at the end of August with the second part of Earthbound, the classic SNES RPG, where if we do nothing but lay effusive praise on it, we will um, you know receive the ire of the entire internet. I, I want to lay effusive praise on it because I want it to be great Yeah, because we need to refresh it from the trail of tears. That was July. <laughs> for, for watch out for Black July. Black July. Um, after that, we are doing our one year anniversary show. We're still trying um, to hash out what that's going to be. Exactly. What's going to be, but it's going to be, you know, kind of mixed subjects. This is a great opportunity. If you have miscellaneous things you want to say about the show um, to comment or leave us a voicemail about those, um, you'll, you'll get in. Um, so it's going to be, you know, like a 90 minute kind of, uh, kind of mixed topic jam. I have some ideas for just some questions to, for me and Cole to bring to each other, um, for it, but we're definitely open to suggestions. That voicemail number, by the way, is 419-834-WOOFF. Um, we'll, you know, we usually say it at the end, but it's especially relevant for the anniversary show because mm-hmm. we want to pepper your compliments to us throughout it, you know, as evidence <laughs> yes. that there is an audience. Um, <laughs> or criticisms. Yeah, exactly. Don't pressure. Yeah, don't, don't um, worry. Um, and after, um, after that, we are doing uh, Tomba. Um, it is available on the PlayStation Network for nine ninety nine. It is a platformer in which you play a pink-haired caveman who bites pigs, if I recall. Yes. Um, Cole has played this. I have not, but I am looking forward to it. It has a great reputation. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Should be and, very fun. And then after that, um, we're, we're getting a little bit ahead, but uh, do you feel comfortable saying this? Yeah. Yep. yep. Beginning of October, we are going to be doing Gabriel Knight, which is available on GOG.com for about 6 bucks, I think. Something yep. like that. Um, this is one that Gary has highly recommended and I'm sure that I will love because I am a big sucker for adventure games. Yep. It is a, it is a fantastic, uh, point and click PC adventure game. Um, has amazing voice acting, uh, Michael Dorn, Tim Curry, uh, uh, what's his name? Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Um, really, really good voice acting, really, really cool story. You know, good adventure game puzzles. It's a a kind of a, a specific to Cole weird blind spot. In his his adventure in his gaming history as being a huge fan of adventure games, I was shocked and appalled that he hadn't played this. And as we're kind of going on these kind of year cycles, um, around that time last year we did Mist, so we're doing another kind of classic PC point click adventure game. Yeah, and we have amazing things coming after that. Like really, really big. Yeah, so, so we have so we have big big games that I'm super excited about. Yeah, uh, coming in kind of in the in the fall and then uh, the beginning of the year, kind of big uh, big two parters. And uh, some some great games sprinkled in between there. So I, I can literally say everything we're doing that I know that we're doing, I'm looking forward to. Yes, as opposed to these past couple wild cards, we're going to spend the last half of this year cleansing our recovering. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a six month recovery from <laughs> sacrifice and sort of. <laughs> so, 
That's what it takes. I have a shock of white hair after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you you want it, you can leave us that voicemail. You can always uh, email us us at the contact forum, uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash watch out for fireballs. Um, You can join our Facebook group and make fun of Cole. As we mentioned before, it is a fun thing to do. All the kids are doing it, um, apparently. The haters, they will hate. Um, the, uh, you can also, you can go, we, we passed our milestone. We talked in the last episode. We got to our 25 uh, reviews and 50 ratings on iTunes and actually 26 reviews. Oh, um, wow. the, people, the people who uh, went ahead and, and did that for us got some, I gifted them some fun, some fun Steam Miss goodies. Um, but we could always use more. You know, it's a huge way. It helps out the show, helps with the iTunes metrics, lets people know about the show, and it's greatly appreciated. And the greatest compliment you can pay to somebody, I think, is to recommend something that you know they're going to like. You know, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, gosh, you should listen to this because, you know, I'm compelling you to. But to just say, like, hey, why not? Here, check out this thing. I know you're going to love it. And when they do love it, they can say, oh, man, I'm so happy. So recommend this to a friend is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, if you, if you – uh we try not to do that kind of shotgun. You know, we have less luck with that kind of shotgun marketing where we're trying to get us to everyone. And most of the our expansion that we've had, I think, is through the word of mouth. You know, so if you know somebody you think would like the show, definitely uh, put them in, in our direction. Um, in a couple weeks, I think five weeks, I'm going to be at PAX. I will be wearing a Watch Out for Fireballs t-shirt. So if you see me there, please say hi. I'll have my dictaphone on me. So if you have any commentary or anything like that, um, we can capture it for the show. And we'll sprinkle that in either through like an extra sewed or do something with that. Um, and then shortly after that, we will both be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. That is all set in stone now at this point. So if you live in Portland, Oregon, um, please stop by and say hi to us. We'll have some games set up at the booth. We'll have some giveaways. We don't know exactly what we're doing yet, but it will be fun stuff. It's going to be good times. Big mm-hmm. stuff happening with the show. Indeed. Indeed. So I think we covered all of our bases. Never again on Sword of Mana. Um, yeah, please just don't like, don't, don't play it. It's not worth your time and just uh, play, play secret of mana or final fantasy adventure. Yeah. Both of which good alternatives Mm. to this. Yeah. And I think that I smell a hellhound. Yeah. In that case, you should watch out for, uh, fire fireballs. I don't get. Okay. Chris, Christopher Christopher <laughs> Lee, he played he he played Scaramanga, right? Yes. In, in in Man with the Golden Gun. Now, he also he also played Saruman, um is is a very 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 renowned actor. Does Christopher Lee have a superfluous nipple or was that prosthetic? I I don't know. <laughs> Did they pick him for that role because because he had the the, the superfluous third nipple like Crest of the Clown? I hope that's not the like you don't get. I don't think you get roles based on that. Well, I mean, you just they they tell you when you know when you're putting out acting resumes. I remember doing this when I was on a when I when I was on the soap opera. 
um, when I was working at the soap opera, you know, with the, with the casting people, I get all these resumes, they would come in and just like anything, just like, I can yodel, I can play guitar, you know, mm. I'm, I'm double jointed because any of those might be the thing that like, Oh gosh, we need this villain who's double jointed in this episode. So right, we need this bring yodeling up. third nipple. Yeah, so, so, so if you put that in, you say I've, I've got a I've got a third nipple and a and a birthmark that looks like Texas and a, and and a pacemaker scar. You know what? Boom! You're Krusty the Clown. So the thing about the internet is that uh, <laughs> we never need to not know anything. <laughs> so, so here, here's a here's a interview that uh, IGN Movies did with him, where they ask him about this <laughs> this very question. Uh, IGN says. What's with uh, Scaramanga's third nipple? Lee says, "I have no idea. It's not all that. It's all not all that rare, you know." I asked my doctor. He said, "It's not all that weird." It's anything. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. He said, um, "It's not all that weird. It's anything but." So apparently, it's real. He asked his doctor about it. Huh. Unless he's asking his doctor about Scaramanga's third nipple. Yeah, no, there's still some ambiguity. <laughs> Somebody, somebody needs to chase Christopher Lee down. Yeah, I, I would like to. But the, 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 this Google, you know, it did autocomplete. <laughs> A lot of people, Christopher Lee, third nipple. This is the question of our times. Yeah, you really caught up on the zeitgeist. <laughs> um, I thought it was just a non sequitur. Christopher fact... Lee brings this up in every interview that he does. Really? Like, there's tons of just interviews with Christopher Lee. <laughs> Where he talks about wait a minute, so 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 I found the one loose thread that if I keep on pulling at it, no. But if you keep if you pull at it, it's like trying to unravel a cable knit sweater. But the monkeys keep knitting and knitting and knitting. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna come across like the secret number between four and five that ruins <laughs> all geometry forever. <laughs> the, the second I write it up on my whiteboard, just like just like, <laughs> buildings start coming apart at the seams. 